This is Omo. 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 Is this Yoko Omo? This is Omo. This is Omo. Previously on Omo. The chemicals between us, we use to paint and clean stuff. We use them every day. Something in my bladder. You fill up my senses. Then give me diarrhea. You feel lightheaded and hot. Shake that acetone. Birth defects and what? Turpentine can make you die. Yes, it is. Xylene, 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 xylene. Please don't take my vision from me or give me pulmonary edema. If you use methylated spirits, drink a beer. If you use methylated spirits, drink a beer. That's, that's you know, remember. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again on OMO. This is part two of a segment we are doing on chemical safety. The last one we interviewed a fellow who is recovering from bladder cancer and uh, it has a correlation to exposure to a chemical we use all the time in this field. Uh, Today, we're gonna be joined with Chris and Jerry and myself, Rosie, as we talk about practical things that you can do to protect yourself. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Julian Kosman cook and this is listener feedback. Okay, so we have one listener contribution of a chemical from Jonathan Vacanti of Vacanti Violins in Virginia. Hi, Jonathan. Potassium dichromate. Yeah. What is that used for, guys? Neck coloring. Color your neck? <laughs> yeah. <no>. <laughs> <laughs> a violin neck. A violin neck. Okay. Or it's used for coloring replacement wood. Yeah. Something that you see it used for a lot. So you got a corner that got knocked off an old violin. You're putting a new corner on there. You want it to look like old wood and not new wood. That could be an appropriate use for it. It depends on the ground of the instrument. So, uh, yeah, this one's real bad, guys. Uh, This is a known human carcinogen. It is associated with an increased risk of developing lung cancer and cancer of the sinonasal cavity. Mm-hmm. That's right. Your nose can just fall off. That's great. <laughs> I was working years ago with a guy who just would have like a water bottle cap full of it, just sitting next to him at his bench. And I, th- I think back now that I know how dangerous it is, but yeah. he was breathing that in all the time. We didn't have air conditioning. It was hot up there. Jeez. Mm. So um, what do we do with the, this information? Let's talk safety. Just a reminder one more time, we're not legal or medical professionals. Do your own research. I am. Okay. If, unless you're a Chris Jacoby. <laughs> Do your own research. Yes. Okay. So most of the, I think everything we talked about today is um, like an alcohol base. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a vapor. It's not, um, it's not oil based. So it's all stuff that can be breathed in. Um, except for the dyes, but they're pretty easily turned into a vapor when you mix them with something. 
mineral spirits and acetones. They're not alcohol based. They are. They do put off vapors, but they're solvents. But, but they're their own class of chemicals and their own distinct molecules. Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to talk about respirators, and we are going to talk about gloves. So we've got there's a, a range of different kinds of respirators that are out there. Masks. Yes. There's the um, particulate respirators. So those are the things that you wear in the power tool room when there's like sawdust flying through the air. You can get cheap disposable ones. It doesn't matter. Well, they're not cheap right now because of the coronavirus, but. True. But those are the ones, the little like the white masks that you just like use them a a couple times and throw them away. No Mm -hmm. big deal. They're going to keep your lungs from filling up with sawdust. Then there are chemical cartridge respirators, the gas masks. <laughs> they have a cartridge in the mask that cleans harmful, harmful vapors out of the air. There's a million different kinds of cartridges you can get depending on what you're trying to protect yourself from. Is there radioactive stuff in your workshop? Purple cartridge. Carbon monoxide? Blue cartridge. For aniline, this is categorized as an organic vapor. Get yourself a black cartridge. Activated charcoal works pretty well for almost all of it if you can't get yourself to to these color-coded things. If you can find an activated charcoal uh, filter, it'll do a lot to help out. The gas masks can be really bulky. I got to wear a full face 3M mask to to do turpentine heavy varnish a few years ago. And it was fun, but uh, you know, I couldn't move my head and and it it was also strange and big. But I really like the RZ mask. RZ is a soft foldable mask that is a, a company here from the States. They've got an F3 filter and it's good for both dust particles and organic vapors. So I always have one at the workshop and one in my bag, actually. I, especially since we've been doing the the, <laughs> the body rune and this, yeah. I'm really aware if I'm walking around and there's a lot of dust in the air, I'll, I'll put it on. I don't need more irritants in my lungs. But any fumes or any uh, anything else you encounter from the chemicals we mentioned today, if you've got a mask like that, you can stick it on and keep yourself from getting into trouble. So I recommend the RZ mask. Uh, and as we mentioned when we were talking uh, during Body Ruin, there's also a company that makes the same type of mask, but with ear flaps, uh, which is pretty nice. How do I sound right now? I'm talking with my... RZ mask on my face. You sound like you're holding your nose. <laughs> I'm I'm really okay with it on. I've got the the F3 filter. And so that's the that's the filter that you're gonna get if you want to protect yourself from the organic vapor. <laughs> my 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 mask is pink. I don't know if you can hear that. I can hear that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And you can smell your breath in it. Yeah, it's, that's one thing all these masks share. You know what you ate yesterday. It was like $35 to buy. And so I got one for myself, one for the guy in my shop who does touch-up work. Um, so our shop is protected from from some nasty stuff. Um, just, just by getting that, uh, under $100 we're taken care of. Nice. Yeah. Okay gloves well you need more than one type of glove that's uh that's strange and and hard to get your head around maybe but um 
different solvents dissolve different things. Uh, if you're handling oils or xylene, use nitrile gloves. Um, if you're working with like even citrus strip or clean strip or something else, nitrile gloves will melt on your hands. Um, so if you're using something like that or alcohol, you need latex gloves. Um, if you have a latex allergy, there are butyl gloves, but they're pretty expensive. It's 20 bucks for one set of butyl gloves um, instead of $8 for 100 latex gloves. Yeah. So um, I've got like all three sets right here. And so I've got, okay, so this is, this is what it sounds like to put a nitrile glove on. And it's, it is <laughs> nice. It's nice and thin. It doesn't really get in the way of me doing work or grabbing on stuff. I could see like if I was doing on touch up work and I really wanted to like, you know, that, that urge to like really like smooth something out with your finger. I don't think I quite get that with this. Yeah. I can't do touch up in gloves because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, can we hear what a proctologist snap sounds like from that glove? Ooh. Yeah, I, I clenched up a little bit. Yeah, me, I'm right there with you. On my other hand, let me get, can I get one out of here? They're all stuck together. Okay, so my other hand, this one is the... Um... <laughs> Why are we doing this? This is great. This is the latex stuff. Okay. All right, this one's on my other hand, my right hand. And as far as like weight and thickness, they're basically the same. Um, but like you were saying, if, if you have a latex allergy, this isn't going to work. But it is like on the thinner side. Can you wear nitrile gloves if you have a latex allergy? Yeah. Um, yeah but they don't protect against the same stuff, exactly. Hmm. Well, you can double up. However, dependent on your your sensitivity to latex, like my wife is latex sensitive mm -hmm. and she avoids balloons. She walks across the street to get away from latex balloons. Really? So yeah. Wow. Wow. I had no idea that you could be that sensitive. Do you think it all started when a clown killed her father? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the two, uh, the kind that I had on, you can get a box of 100 for like $10. So Okay, and these right here, this is the butyl glove going on. And you know what? I really thought it would be like when I ordered these, I thought they would be like the gloves that you have to do the dishes in that are like super like ridiculously thick. Yeah, if you're like using oven cleaner and... Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, like there's something to them. Uh, they're not nothing, but they're not nearly as heavy as I thought they would be. Like I can do some work in these, but my, my hands would definitely sweat in them. Um, of course, the other option is if you have to use this harmful stuff um, and uh, you are supposed to be using latex, um, maybe there's someone else that can do that work. Maybe just don't expose yourself to it if you can. So make somebody else get cancer? No, someone who doesn't have a latex allergy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's like the final solution for how do I mitigate the effects of chemicals on me? Get someone yeah. else to use the chemicals. Have a beer. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you are getting the right kind of protection on your hands, 
I just got these two boxes and I wrote on one of oils slash xylene. The other one I wrote alcohols and it's out where anybody can grab them. Um, you get masks for everybody in your shop and, uh, you know, just don't wear your bikini to work. You want to wear like something slightly protective as far as clothes. Darn. Yeah. And I was wearing mine earlier. I'll have to change out. I thought you would be. Uh, so just uh, be aware of the clothing that you're wearing and uh, you're on your way. You don't want to be in a place that's like, you want to have a place that has some kind of ventilation and, uh, you know, make sure you're not just dousing chemicals directly on you. And uh, you'll be uh, mostly protected, I think. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so um, other safety measures you should probably take. Go to chemicalsafety.com, print off the SDS guidelines for the chemicals that you use in your shop. Uh, Jerry, you were saying label everything. Yeah. Yeah, don't leave room for ambiguity. Right. A lot of times I know I'm guilty of putting stuff in little jars mm -hmm. and then not labeling what the little jars are. And then I come back a few weeks later and it's, what's in this little jar? So don't be like me. Label your stuff. It's probably water. You can just drink it. No big deal. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. And then, you know, just as with, if you've got employees, just like you would give safety talks on using the power tools in your shop, do the same for the chemicals. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Anything else, guys? No. We got to use the chemicals, but uh, it's, it's better to be safe than sorry. For sure. Well, I feel better after doing this, I feel like I learned a lot. I don't know about you guys. I feel like I'm going to die of terrible, terrible cancer much sooner than if I had been a, a, an attorney. I'm glad we can do that for you. <laughs> this is what this episode has done to me. I'm like, oh man, I, I am going to die. <laughs> you got to go out somehow. Yeah. It, at least it's not a clown. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we didn't deliver on the romance this time, but we... we we're heavy on the side of reality. Yeah. All right, guys. Don't die. Deal. Okay. Me neither. I'll try my best. Um, what What's the slogan about gloves, Jerry? No glove, no love. No glove, no love. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Yes. Oh. Put those signs up in your shop. Free the juice. So what's going on? You're building a, a GD violin, aren't you? I'm, I am making efforts to build a violin. Here's where I am right now. Mm -hmm. I have spent hours upon hours trying to get the, like, the top and bottom plates to match so that I can glue them together. So I'm just like hours of flattening them and, and to make the joint in the center. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that tool called? The joint, the joiner. Yeah. Joiner plane. The joiner plane, which is giant. It's like, like two feet wide, at least. Two feet like, long. It's only like three long. inches wide. Got it. And, and so you like got to brace it upside down and, and just run that thing until you get them super, super perfect. Yeah. And it takes... Or you can clamp them together and run the plane over them, or you can put the plane down on its side and run the wood past it. And any of those ways, as I said to you earlier, when uh -huh. you're starting, 
it just drives you nuts and it doesn't make yeah. sense and it never fits. And then you wake up one day and you can do it asleep with one eye and one foot off the ground. So okay, that, that's what I'm going for. But for now it is taking years just to do this one step. Yeah. Yeah. But I did, um, I did build a mold almost all the way to complete the form that uh, you bend your ribs around. Yeah. Yeah, so the inside for the VLT model. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's so a Strat, a very model that's 1706 or 1709? Sure. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's another thing. All right, so, and you, I know that you know this. So I look at violins and I'm like, yeah, they look perfectly symmetrical. They're exactly the same on both sides, no problem. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then you start you spend hours and hours and hours like getting this mold just so and you, you're like you're looking at it and thinking why is one side wonky compared to the other and, <laughs> and is it my problem is it how I'm cutting it and then you like compare it with the like photo you've got and you're like no it's just because they don't match they it's, like they're not symmetrical at all yeah there's a few things there one is that human hands can't do it Two is that we have two cameras on our face. We have two eyes. And uh, I was once telling Song Hoon Lee when we worked together at Big P Prears that uh, it was funny how one of the C bouts, the middle section of a violin on a violin, was slightly higher than the other when I thought they were symmetrical, what we're talking about. And he said, shake your head and then look at it again and tell yourself that the other side is slightly higher. And just like that thing with the dress being different colors, because we have two camera one and camera two in our head on either side, it is so hard not to have some parallax and be able to convince yourself that the way you're seeing it is actually true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're all asymmetrical. And the the Cremonese guys, uh, Cremona was the city where Strad worked, ladies and gents. Uh, they worked with a half template. So you do one side and then you flip the template over and you do the other side. And if it is within like a hair's width off the geometric center, when you flip it, then it exponentially changes uh, how off one side is from the other. Oh my gosh. And when you take the dang mold out, then you can move the ribs around. So you did the, you know, you put the plates on and maybe you had your ribs like CNC NASA symmetrical and then you take the mold out and there's a cold snap overnight and the linings on one side shrink because we use natural materials and then it changes and your plates end up like that so it's hopeless it's hopeless why are we doing this why are we doing this for ourselves it's i don't know i guess it's like the hair shirt or like beating yourself for the lord Uh, you know uh this is modern penance yes (laughs) but the job of the violin maker the luthier is to at every step at which you stop and prepare to move on is to reinsert as much symmetry as you can in order to keep your plan and the style of the the plates and their outlines to hang together when you're done. Fighting against chaos. God, yeah. So it's a a good exercise for penance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's where I am. It was an awesome weekend. I got to uh, build back in January over in Austin at Julian Crossman Cook's little place. Hi, Jules. And, uh, my buddy Jason Peoples came with me. Maya hung out. Um, her buddy Michael 
Um, and uh, we all worked on our builds and that was, that was really fun. You guys have a Texas Luthiers Association, right? We do. And I'm terrible about attending because I can't get away very much. And Texas is like the size of a moon. So it's massive. Yeah. So you made your mold there. Yeah. Yeah. To like be in the presence of other people and not doing it all by myself. Um, I did manage to cut four corner blocks. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's just a whole bunch of loose pieces. Oh, and then I went and visited you. Yep. Uh, and Present. wait, that was, that yep. was Christmas. That New was Year's. a year ago, but it was like, it was like two months <laughs> ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then got to sit at Potter's house and work on carving a scroll, which again, I have not touched. So basically the status of where I am is I have started on several things and not finished one of them. That's violin making. <laughs> and you had that, uh, that seminal scroll carving moment where you're like, Chris, did this saw cut go too far? And I looked over and I'm like, no, it's fine. And then I looked later and I'm like, oh, you went way too far with this saw way cut. Way too far. So yeah, I'm cutting into the turn of the scroll way too far. But it's my practiced one. It's the it's the one with no flame. So you see wood shoved into saw cuts on multi million dollar instruments. So yeah. So you said I should get like a, a piece of rib and like stick it in there. Yeah, I mean something without. If you pay attention to exactly how the wood is quartered, where the end grain is, and figure out how to cut it out at that angle, it will hide itself oh, yeah, the best. That's smart. Yeah. So okay. that the the end grain is pointing the same when you look down on it and it's at the right angle within the board. But you can also take a piece of basswood, mash it in there with glue, and then touch it up when you're done. I got so much basswood. I Yes. Okay. <laughs> I got so much basswood. So much. I don't know what to okay. do with myself. Yeah. So do you have any advice for me going forward? Um, the thing that's impossible, because you and I both have kids and like multiple careers is that you just have to sit down at it no matter if you get anywhere useful until your brain is convinced that it's a priority. It's, it's so hard yeah. and, and it is the thing that makes it rewarding. Yes. I, you know what? I have had so many conversations at this point with people that are like, well, I started on one and then <laughs> and it just sits there for mm -hmm. years. Um, I hope that's not my story. <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a collective story. You don't get to own that story. It's our it's our story. It's everyone's <laughs> story. We all just look at that thing and resent ourselves. <laughs> so progress report. Um, this segment is called "Making It." Making um, it. Not not yet sponsored by Amy Poehler's and Nick Offerman's "Making It." Not yet. That's, we'll see. I love that show. And they've got Jimmy Duresta as like the shop help. There's the the, the world's who? most useful man is like helping these people make knickknacks on that show. Wait, why don't I know who he is? Who's Jimmy Duresta? Duresta. He makes like pretty standard everyday use tools um, okay. very finely. And then he okay. stamps them with his name. Just like the entire tool says Duresta. It's it's a uh, yeah, it's it's pretty manly. <laughs> well thanks for the advice chris uh, have a lovely day you have a lovely day too okay okay bye, bye. this is this is this is this is this is the coda welcome back everybody we decided last minute to put together a special segment on the coronavirus and how it affects 
you at work, at your workbench, interacting with customers. Uh, we wanted to get as much information out there as possible. I know that uh, in- information is changing day to day. We're recording this on Friday, Friday the 13th. This is coming out next Wednesday. So um, we're hoping that we have stuff that's very useful to you guys. Stay safe out there. I have got Jerry. Hello, Rosie. How are you? Hello. I'm doing great. Can you please introduce our special guest today? Well, we we wanted to have a healthcare professional on, and to get one last minute, it's a good thing I live with one. Yeah. So uh, I, I've got this list of how I'm supposed to introduce you. Uh, this is my wife, Shadisa Lin, BSN, RN, CCRN, CEN, CPEN, TCRN, PHRN, and she's a flight nurse. Did I miss anything in the alphabet? No, I think that's it. Wow. Okay. I'm very intimidated to talk to you now. Oh, don't be. (laughs) (laughs) It just means I'm an expert in the frontline emergency medicine, the things that we're experiencing right now. You're the perfect person to talk to. I'm so glad that you're in the Lynn household. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You wanted to give us a brief overview of the COVID-19 virus. I did. Um, Because there's a lot of things going around right now about COVID-19. There's a lot of myths. There's a lot of things um, to be dispelled. Um, So I just wanted to give a little bit of update of should we be worried? Why should we be worried? Um, So let's start with that. So so what is COVID-19? So the coronavirus isn't new. There's many strains of the virus, just like there's different strains of flu. But this novel coronavirus or COVID-19 is just a mutation of that virus. Should we be concerned about it? So while the current number of infected individuals are still low in world numbers, the death rate is high, which is concerning. So as of yesterday, which was March 12th, there were over 130,000 confirmed cases with almost 5,000 deaths in 114 countries across the world. The United States, as of yesterday, March 12th, had 1,215 infections and 26 deaths. That's the infections that we know of due to testing. So that makes our death rate around 3.3%, while the death rate of the flu is Mm 0.1%. And the World Health Organization just declared it a pandemic because of its current reach. So it will become more prevalent in the United States. We just need to see how prevalent it's going to become. So that's why scientists and healthcare workers are worried. So unlike the flu or the other coronaviruses, we have no immunity to this uh, virus. The symptoms are fever, dry cough, shortness of breath. There's no diarrhea. There's no stomach issues identified with it. People who are elderly and immunocompromised. So if you're over 60, sorry, everyone, you have a higher rate of death and a higher rate of comorbidities from this. Children appear to be unaffected and... If they do get it, it's very, very mild. But right now they say children under nine have like the best immunity to it and they're not sure exactly why. Okay. So we can do a couple things to stay safe. The virus is spread through the air in droplets. So staying away from people who are ill at least six feet, washing your hands, using hand sanitizer, maintaining a healthy lifestyle like we always do, exercise and eat right. (laughs) Okay. Every day. Every single day. Avoid touching your face. It's now community spread, so it's difficult to know who has the virus and who doesn't because the incubation period can be up to 14 days. So if you feel you've been exposed, um, contact your family physician to see what your next steps should be. Well, we uh, had some helpful advice from our buddy Chris Jacoby, who's currently on the road to Austin to meet up with notorious bass maker Trevor Davis. These are some things that Chris recommends for uh, us to do as a preventative measure. And I wanted to get your and Jerry's reaction to that. So 
Oh, God. Yes. I'm a little worried. So, number one, cover your chin rest in moleskin. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, put down the one thing you can't wipe down on the chin rest. I think Mm -hmm. that's pretty bad. Okay. Uh, Just drench your violin in rubbing alcohol. Well, on the medical side, that sounds like a great idea, but very... (laughs) tells me that that is a horrible horrible idea well here's the, here's the thing if and uh I, I know some people will 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 not like this but there are a certain class of student instruments out there that are indestructible to just about everything including alcohol and i'm not saying True. that you should go out and rub them down with that but i think there are there are better precautions that we can all take rather than what we clean instruments with yeah yeah Okay. Uh, how about uh, Chris going your hands before you play or repair an instrument? What did he drink before he wrote this? <laughs> he gave these instructions while he had been driving for many hours. Yeah. So a bit of road delirium. I, I think he might have been hallucinating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So no to the Crisco. No, no. Maybe we should just skip to some better bits of advice. Oh, no, 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 no. There's so many good ones. Oh. <laughs> Host as many instrument petting zoos as possible, preferably with kindergartens who still pick their nose in public. You know, well, the kindergartners probably aren't a bad idea since they're they're kind of not getting the virus. However, <laughs> large gatherings of adults is probably to, you know, be avoided. Okay. Yeah, maybe that's the thing to do this time of year with this thing is to uh, pick those things up at a later date. Yeah. Okay, how about, this one's from Rob Wood, who is also driving with Chris. Uh, cover your F-holes with tape so the virus can't get out. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I'm i also going to say no. I'm going to go with you yeah. as well. Okay, okay. Okay, all right, well, I guess we can get serious then. Um, so uh, we have seen a lot of chat online with uh, different people who work in shops or are heads of shops that uh, are trying to figure out best practices. Um, One thing we want to cover is how do we keep instruments sanitized? Uh, Jerry, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, Unfortunately, you don't. I think that's the safe answer. You really can't, as a blanket statement, say that you can sanitize a violin. Mm -hmm. I think the things you can do, you can quarantine them. Mm -hmm. You can limit the exposure of your stock, meaning uh, if you've got multiple models of the same instrument and uh, little Johnny or little Susie is used to coming in and, and picking through to find their rental instrument, maybe you say, no, here's the two that you have to choose from. Mm-hmm. That might be the thing to do. Uh, I think it might be possible to wipe down chin rests. Uh, you can probably be a little more aggressive with them if you remove them from the instrument. Mm-hmm. But in general... Anything that you put on the instrument that could kill the virus is not really going to be good for the instrument. And my my wife is looking at me. She's got something to add to that. Yes, please. I was going to say the things that we do know right now that kill the virus are a 1 to 10 bleach solution um, or a, um, a 60% alcohol base. And I know from the little stuff that I picked up from Jerry, that those things are bad for your, uh, are for your instruments. So again, it it might be a question of what you're putting it on. Mm -hmm. Some older instruments, uh, you know, we use forms of bleach and restoration work to, to clean cracks if, if it's really necessary. And if you're not careful, you can turn 
wood that's a lovely, nice tan color into something that's stark white very quickly. Yeah. So that's why I'm hesitant to say that. Plus, there's also uh, you have to let the stuff dry on. Yes. So um, in order to what we say denature the proteins of I'm getting technical here, denature the proteins of the viruses in order to kill them, basically burst them apart. What we need to do is let it the dwell time of a wet anything, so say we wipe off the counter, is three to four minutes. You have to read the back of the packages. Some are a little bit longer, some are a little bit less, but three to four minutes. So that means you may need to wipe that counter down with um, multiple passes to keep that wet for those for that entire time before it dries and not drying it off with a towel or a paper towel or anything like that. Okay. I do have a quote that we pulled from Corey Klein. Um, she said in this case, uh, the solution is not to sanitize the instrument, but the individual. So in the case of an instrument petting zoo, uh, get that bottle of Purell out, sanitize the kids. The students should wash their hands before and after. And she said, or better yet, chalk this up to an event that isn't appropriate at this time. That is a brilliant idea. <laughs> keeping people sanitized, keeping people clean. Um, is certainly going to help slow the spread of this infection. In the medical community, we've been talking about there's a good chance that because we're not immune to this, many, many people are eventually going to get it. But we need to, I think as a lot of people have seen something called flatten the curve. Mm -hmm. So we don't have enough ventilators or ICU space in the entire United States to cover the amount of people that would potentially need an ICU bed. So we need to spread out the time that people are getting infected in order for our medical community to be able to keep up with the amount of people who need the beds. That's right. We're washing our hands to try to give you a break. Basically. So that you guys are not losing your minds. So that being said, avoid large gatherings. I know a lot of places are canceling um, gatherings of large groups of people to, to help slow the spread. Maintaining um, good handy, hand hygiene practices. So hand sanitizers are used as a temporary stopgap until you can wash your hands. Okay. So um, hand sanitizers are not supposed to replace hand washing. Hand sanitizers are supposed to be if you can't get to a place where you can wash your hands. So if there's a place to wash your hands, go ahead and do it. Jerry and I went out this morning, sanitized our hands in between touching things. When we came home, first thing we did, washed our hands. Well, that brings me to um, another uh, policy change that was posted online by Johnson String Instruments out of Massachusetts. They just did a blanket statement of these are the changes that we are enacting. We are still open. They have canceled all performances in their recital hall. They are canceling all international travel within the company. They said that any customers might see people using gloves and or hand sanitizer when handling rental instruments. And they started a policy where there's a mandatory 10 days that returned rental instruments must sit on the shelves before being rented out to another customer. I think those things are all smart. I might be giving away something that's not necessarily company policy for them, but I believe they're a large enough company. They're also considering uh, keeping their staff separate from each other. I know they've got a location that's retail and they've got a location that's workshop space and storage space. And I think that's really smart yeah. for a company of that size. Yeah. Also something that we, along with those lines that we might want to consider doing is if you're used to having general open hours change from that to a, a by appointment only system. I've considered doing that at some point in the future at my shop. And a policy of if you're sick or anyone in your household is sick, maybe now might not be the time for you to be coming into the shop. Yeah. And if you go to a, a by appointment only system, 
or just this time period, it allows you a chance to screen calls. You know, we're so used to the customers always right and, and never losing a chance to have a sale. But I still think you can you can screen customers, keep your employees safer and keep the general public safer by maybe asking a few questions. You can limit the stock that you have out. Like if someone's coming, they want to look for an instrument between a thousand and two thousand dollars. Uh, you don't necessarily need to show them the five thousand dollar instrument. Sure, um, I did in my shop. I have put a sign up in front of the showroom that says "Thank you for sanitizing your hands before playing any instruments," and the response has been people are appreciative. Uh, no one is upset about it. They're glad that a plan is in place, and uh, I yeah, I've I've had lovely responses to that. Um, we wipe down all the surfaces multiple times all around the place, everything that gets touched a lot. Um, I do have a question. Maybe Charissa, did I say it right? <laughs> You're close. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you have a pass. It's okay. <laughs> uh, maybe um, you can shed some light on, on this for me. One of my employees, wonderful dude, Duncan, he's, uh, he's in his 60s and uh, he sits not six feet away, maybe five feet away from me. What should I do to be responsible interacting with him? Move that extra foot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, in seriousness, the same thing that we tell everybody. So if you feel sick or if you've come in contact with sick people, maybe stay home for, they're saying up to 14 days can be the, um, the, incubation time. We're looking at maybe the majority of people actually becoming infected before day five. Also washing your hands and just making sure if you're coughing or sneezing or anything, that anything that we should do during the flu season, we should be doing now. And uh, I am not real good about keeping my tools to myself. We have a habit of oh. sharing tools around here. Uh, should we maybe like get some stickers to mark which ones goes on go on my bench? just a way to identify and keep them separate. Yeah, I would avoid using other people's um, instruments um, just because you don't know, especially if you're not washing your hands or sanitizing the instruments in between uses. Yeah. And we all could use more excuses to buy more tools. Of so, hey, course. <laughs> get your own. Okay. Okay. For those common instruments that – or those common um, tools that you use, maybe – sanitizing them in between each use like you use it you sanitize it you put it back just so you're not passing all along germs we've got one more submission this is a uh, chris Rooning out of boston uh, jerry what's the name of his shop Rooning and sons Rooning and sons uh so they had a customer who brought in his quarantine wife's bow in for rehair what should we do in that situation well I know what I would do. I don't know if it's a, it would be a shop policy, but I would potentially turn that away. Like we said, we don't know the actual um, time that it stays, like the virus stays on objects. So right now they say it could be anywhere between a couple hours to several days. So that inst or that bow is in possibly infected. So I would either quarantine the bow for 14 days, tell them to take it home when 14 days is up after her infection then bring it in. Um, but I definitely would not be working on that, that bow. Okay. Uh, Jerry, what do you think? I agree. I, I know that sounds terrible, but you can't service the public as a whole if you're not thinking of the public as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And if your whole shop gets sick, 
you're definitely not servicing the public as a whole. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one more. This is from Liz Shock. Uh, she says, we're asking players to use our homemade hand sanitizer and letting it dry for a few seconds before touching violins. Oh, oh boy. She got excited and she had me hold her notes. Hold on. Ah, she got it. Yes. Okay. Because I, I, I want I want feedback on this. Um, she gave out a recipe, half cup aloe vera gel, two thirds cup alcohol, 10 drops essential oil. Um, I have heard some um, some pro about making your own sanitizer and some con. Uh, but uh, please uh, give me give me your thoughts, guys. So um, as a general rule for the general public, I would say making your own hand sanitizer is not a very good idea. Okay. So commercial hand sanitizer is made without at least a 60% alcohol base. And I know that you guys work with alcohol substitutes that are or alcohol that are more than 60%. However, even in the best circumstances, the idea of using aloe to combat the dryness of the alcohol, you can't control your final outcome. A couple extra drops here or there can actually change your formulation of of the sanitizer. And it has if it may be diluted less than 60% and you might not know and if it's diluted less than 60%, it won't be effective. And depending on the tools that you use to make the hand sanitizer, they might not be sterilized properly. So I know in commercial uses, commercial factories, they sterilize a lot of things, high-pressured sterilization. However, I know of at least one virus, Clostridium difficile, C. diff, that we have in the hospital that's not affected by hand sanitizer. Okay. And it's passed through fecal matter. So you go to the bathroom, you don't wash your hands properly, you go and make your aloe vera, you now have some other viruses mixed in there. So- it all depends on, I know it sounds bad. It all depends on how you're making it. And my best idea would be to use the commercial hand sanitizer that they have. But the best way is wash your hands. So for 20 seconds, okay. happy birthday twice, any popular song that you like, pick 20 seconds of it and sing it while you're washing it. Because that hand sanitizer is only used as a temporary holdover until you can wash your hands. Okay. Okay. However, counterpoint. If somebody was making any of this this product that was like Jerry Lynn, <laughs> <laughs> would you trust it to be made properly? <laughs> would I use my husband's own hand sanitizer that he personally made? Yeah, so, someone someone who has commitment to perfection as much as Jerry Lynn, like many people in this field. While I love my husband so, so much, I would okay. not. Okay. I, I would purchase commercial hand sanitizer or wash my hands. I'm even here okay. shaking my hand, my head. I wouldn't use my own. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just, I can't guarantee that um, the exact measurements of the cups and everything that he's used to measure out things are precise. Okay. Like super, super precise. Some steps that I'm taking here at my shop. Um, I already told you I'm uh, making sure people disinfect before they go into the showroom. Sounds like I should encourage them to go to the bathroom or the kitchen and wash their hands instead of just wiping their hands down. We've got a handheld credit card terminal, and we have had a habit of taking a credit card from the customer and using the terminal ourselves. Uh, I have instructed everybody to walk the customer through doing that tr transaction entirely on their own. So there's no uh, nothing transported from one hand to another. And then we wipe down the terminal after each use. Uh, of course, I've started every day wiping down door handles, the phone, the front desk, 
uh, just to make sure that uh, everything starts fresh every day, even the coffee pot handle. Uh, and then um, one thing that I started uh, to do, so we've got, we are in the season of string instrument drives at middle schools. Kids who are enrolling in a music class in the fall, they'll come and try out different instruments. They'll sign up to rent and so forth. Uh, parents get information about how the process works. Sometimes they sign paperwork. Well, we just had our first cancellation and uh, I am sure there will be more. So I just made a video of how my rental process works, how the program works, how what information you need to get from your teachers and how to find us. I made a video, I uploaded it to YouTube, and then I sent a link to all my local teachers. So they have a backup plan in hand if we cannot host these events. That's really smart. All of those are great suggestions and great ideas to, to keep your shop safe. Um, certainly, if you have the ability to have people wash their hands, that's highly recommended over the hand sanitizer. And wiping down those common areas, especially in your, even in your home, wiping down the common areas of things that people don't realize, like um, your cell phone, your um, remote control, handles of, like you said, coffee pots. Those are all common items that a lot of people use. So wiping down those areas is a great idea. Just remembering that dwell time of how long they need to be wet before they are effective. Okay. Yeah. And is there anything you'd add to these practices? I mean, certainly I'm not doing any, we're not doing international travel over here, but. No, all of those sound like great, great ideas. Jerry, you're in more of a bunker situation than I am, but uh, are you doing anything different at your shop? Uh, no, I'm kind of fortunate that I, in the work that I do, uh, I'm fairly isolated. I, most of my work arrives by UPS or FedEx. If I see a personal week or every other week, for me, that's a lot. That's just with the things that I do. Uh, but I, I have worked in retail in the past. Uh, I've stopped shaking hands. Yesterday, I had some people that drove four and a half hours to come see me, and we didn't shake hands, and it didn't seem awkward. So yeah, I guess that's one thing that I've changed. But in general, I'm not so worried about myself right now. Um as far as how my business is, is, is run, I'm more concerned about my friends in retail and I'm especially worried about the musicians because right now, while our bottom lines are going to be affected slowly, if not maybe a little on the faster side, their bottom lines are being affected right now. I have friends that have lost their students. Mm -hmm. uh, all their gigs are canceled and they're worried about how they're going to make an income. Yeah. Yeah. So now might be a good time to check in with your musicians that come and patronize your place. And if there's any chance that you can help them, now might be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned shaking hands. And I, I do want to talk about an interaction I had over the weekend. I was at an art show and absentmindedly reached my hand out to shake the artist's hand. And she gave me a really big smile. And she just put her elbow up as if to shake hands via elbow, and which was a great reminder of how we interact. And I didn't take any offense at it. And we basically just bumped elbows as a greeting. It was fun <laughs> and uh, was a way of me not having to hurt anybody's feelings by saying, I won't shake your hand. Yep. Elbow so. bumps are a great, great thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks once again for joining us in this ad-free episode of OMO. Don't forget to check out Learning Trade Secrets for an inviting atmosphere for those who want to learn or advance their workbench skills. For more info, visit learningtradesecrets.com. Also check out Encoda. Encoda is a sheet music subscription service. Musicians out there living the gig life have access to thousands of licensed scores and shop owners don't have to waste valuable sales space with sheet music. Join us in two weeks. We'll have a conversation with Sarah Peck about the Baroque world, instrument setup for Baroque style, and some misconceptions about the period. We'll have music by Juliana Soltis, who is currently touring the Bach cello suites in Baroque style, hopefully, and we'll speak with her as well. Do you want to know about Baroque style? Do you have a story about trying to master this or a confusing encounter with a client? Reach out to us, mail at omopod.com or call the Omophone, 240-686-5345. For all you Omo sapiens out there, just keep that mask on all day, wear all those gloves, and wash your hands. Omo is an all-luthier podcast, produced by Rosie Deloach, Chris Jacoby, and Jerry Lynn. The show is edited by Jason Peoples, music by Invoke Sound. If you enjoy our show, you can help us out by leaving an iTunes review or becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash omopod, where you can get your very own Omo swag. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out to us at mail at omopod.com or call the Omo phone at 240-686-5345. Thanks for listening. <laughs>